It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown, and I'm here with you on October the 6th, 2023. It is the calm before the storm. The Orioles begin their best-of-five division series against the Texas Rangers tomorrow afternoon. The 1 o'clock start time, pretty much everybody was predicting in hopes that the parking lots will clear out before the nighttime concert at the football stadium next door with Billy Joel. We'll see how that works out. If the Orioles play extra innings in Game 1, it might start being a problem for somebody, but I don't know. That's what they had to do, and that's what they're doing. The Orioles are 11 wins away from winning the World Series. That's going to be my focus for as long as they remain in the postseason. Every win brings them one win closer to the first championship of my lifetime and the lifetime of any Orioles fan who's under 40 years old and probably the memory of anyone who's under about 45. And the Orioles, they're facing the Rangers after the Rangers took out the Tampa Bay Rays in the wildcard series. The Rays... Honestly, they just didn't seem to have much energy in that series. Maybe they looked that way because the Rangers were actually so much better than them. Or maybe the Rays were really exhausted after all the injuries that they had to overcome just to win 99 games and come up short in the AL East. The Rays, at one point during Game 2, were one out away from tying a record for consecutive postseason innings without scoring a run that dated back to last year. As this year, what the Orioles, excuse me, the Rays on way the way to losing scored just one run in the two games. So it's going to be the Texas Rangers. Here we go. And I will tell you, there's one big trend that I'm going to be thinking about and anxious about for this series with the Orioles. And this is information from MLB stats guru Sarah Langs from last year's postseason trends. Last year in the postseason, teams that scored first 
were 27 and 13 in the postseason. So pretty much winning more than two thirds of the time. Additionally, teams who out homered their opponents were 22 and six in the postseason last year. And two years ago, that was an even more lopsided 25 and two record for teams that out homered their opponent in a single postseason game. And why is that on my mind? Well, because Orioles hitters were not good in the first inning this year. I don't know why, but their first inning batting over the full season was a 228 batting average with a 301 on base percentage and a 386 slugging percentage. It is their second worst OPS for any inning from one to nine. And by the way, the worst is the ninth inning, even worse at a 664 OPS. But like the first inning thing, it's really weird because it's not like the problem is the Orioles one to three hitters, who of course are guaranteed to bat in any first inning. The one to three spots in the Orioles lineup were the top three performing spots by OPS overall. But nonetheless, the Orioles' first inning struggle was what it was. The Orioles are less likely to be the team that gets an early lead since they're not very likely to score in the first inning based on the regular season trends. It's really an astounding contrast when you compare to the only team that won more regular season games than the Orioles, the Atlanta Braves, whose first inning OPS was 982. That was a 600 slugging percentage with 47 first inning home runs. You want to talk about a team that is lined up with trends for modern postseason success, the Atlanta Braves. Now, did that win them the World Series last year? No, they got bounced by the Philadelphia Phillies, who they're about to play in the 2023 postseason. But the Braves, they're only a problem for the Orioles if they make the World Series and the Orioles make the World Series too. And we're a long way away from having to think about that. For now, the Rangers. And as far as the first inning struggle, you know, the Orioles have made up for this because they've had an extreme benefit of the times through the order penalty that applies against starting pitchers. And if you don't really know what that is, it's basically generally batters the second time they face a pitcher, they've seen his arsenal, so they do a little bit better. And the third time they've seen it again, so they do a little bit better. Major League Baseball wide in the 2023 season, in the second plate appearance in a game against a starting pitcher, batters had 22 points of OPS more than the first plate appearance. And in the third plate appearance, batters had 36 points of OPS more compared to the second plate appearance. So overall, that's 58 points of OPS increase from the first plate appearance to the third plate appearance of the game. And Basically, any time a starting pitcher gets taken out after five innings and it's not because of pitch count, it's probably because that manager is really keyed in to the times through the order penalty. So how did that apply to the Orioles? The first time through the order, Orioles batters had an OPS of just 688 against starting pitchers the first time through in a game. And by the way, that is 38 points below the MLB-wide average for first plate appearances. So again, Orioles early in games just really didn't bat well. And it's weird. I don't know why. But the second time through, the Orioles jumped 106 points of OPS to a 794 OPS the second time through. A huge improvement. Then the third time through, actually a slight drop, losing seven points from that 
uh, second time through, but still a 787, substantial improvement over the first time through the order. So if the Orioles do fall behind early in these postseason games, this division series, they're going to need to mount that second time through the order comeback. Now, not getting an additional advantage the third time through the order, it might not matter as much in a postseason environment because you're more likely to start getting relievers after you've gotten five good innings from a starting pitcher. And bullpen, by the way, is one area where I think the Orioles may have an advantage over the relievers, uh, the Texas bullpen, because Texas relievers posted a 4.77 ERA across the full season. They actually had to dump their closer from the role midseason. Closer Will Smith uh, was kicked out of the, his role in August after his fourth blown save after 22 successful saves. And by the way, of Rangers relievers who pitched 30 or more games with the team, there was only one who had an ERA under three. That was Jose LeClerc. And there was only an additional one more who had an ERA under four, which was their trade acquisition, Eraldis Chapman. So whether the Orioles are trailing or not, by the time they get into the Texas bullpen, I think they're going to need to get runs, either to make a more comfortable cushion or to pull off the comeback if they have fallen behind early. Of course, the Orioles were not strangers to comeback wins over the course of this season. They came back to win 48 times, nearly half, although slightly less, of all of their wins on the season. And really, it's all the more amazing that they were able to do this, considering the ninth inning hitting that I just mentioned a few minutes ago. They didn't do it. The team had gobs of comeback wins, but you could count the number of ninth inning comebacks on one hand. In fact, I believe on two fingers. The Orioles only did it twice. And if I'm remembering right, the two times they did have a ninth inning comeback, they then still needed to win in extra innings. Texas, if you're curious, had to come back in 39 of its 90 wins, and it blew leads in 39 of its 72 losses. The Orioles' bullpen being an advantage does depend on the team overcoming the loss of Felix Bautista, of course. I think the bullpen should be stronger when it's uh, pared down into postseason mode, even without Bautista, because in a best-of-five series, I think you're going to have one or maybe even two starting pitchers who aren't starting games on the roster to cover bulk. And then for later innings, the team can rely on fewer guys. So, you know, Yenier Cano, he's got a better ERA and whip than anybody in the Rangers bullpen in terms of regular season results. Danny Colom, good all year. CNL Perez, pretty darn good in the second half. So that's three guys and that's nice, but you know what from there? I mean, like Shintaro Fujinami, I, we all know about him, right? Are they even going to put him on the roster? I don't know. He was pretty bad in his last few auditions before the regular season ended. So I don't even know if that means he'll make the cut. It probably means the Orioles are going to be relying on like D.L. Hall and or Tyler Wells in key spots. I do think Hall could be the big strikeout guy that's going to be needed with Bautista now out until spring training 2025. Maybe Wells used in relief could be Good, too. He certainly looked good in the four outings that he had in relief after being brought back from Norfolk. So, you know, I mean, if the Orioles have a lead, obviously that's better than if they don't. But I'm sure going to be nervous about it. But who am I kidding? I'm going to be nervous no matter what happens, unless the Orioles are behind by a bunch of runs, in which case I'll be beyond nervous and simply bummed. 
I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, so here's the other half of the area of concern. Home runs. The Texas Rangers led all American League teams with 233 home runs hit this season. And by, it's not an outlier for their offense. They led the American League in batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage, along with a number of the other categories that go along with having a good average or on-base percentage or slugging percentage. The Orioles, as a team, had 50 fewer regular season home runs than Texas, 183. It is a respectable number, but it's quite a gap. And there were three Texas batters who had more home runs than any one Orioles player. That was Adolis Garcia, who had 39, Corey Seager with 33, and Marcus Semien with 29. But, I mean, the other part of the equation for home runs is the Orioles pitching staff. Orioles pitchers allowed 177 home runs this season, which actually is the second fewest allowed by all AL teams. That's pretty good, right? Rangers pitching, if you're curious, allowed 198 home runs this season, and that was comfortably middle of the pack. And, you know, the Orioles giving up so few home runs, it's not all about the new wall. They allowed 91 home runs on the road and 86 at home. So that's pretty close. And... Ultimately, I do think Orioles pitchers overall limiting home runs is going to be crucial to the outcome of this series. A little bit more on how this trend might impact the series. Texas is a much worse hitting team on the road than at home. They've got a gap 
of 107 points of OPS drop from their 844 home OPS. That's a 737 road OPS. Mind you, that is still better than the Orioles' home batting of a 726 OPS. So, okay, with the first two games being at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, as well as Game 5 if needed, I do think it should benefit the Orioles to have their pitchers there. Presumptive Game 1 starting pitcher for the Orioles, Kyle Bradish, allowed just 14 home runs all season and only six home runs in 14 second-half starts. So if he was rounding into even better form for the second half that he can carry into the postseason, that's even better. And presumptive Game 2 starter, Grayson Rodriguez, gave up just three home runs in 76 and two-thirds innings after the All-Star break. If these two guys can contain Texas and continue that trend over the next uh, you know, week, that's absolutely going to be huge. One variable to think about is what are the Orioles going to do with John Means? It's going to be, I presume he's going to start one of the games of the series, and it's going to be just his fifth MLB start since coming back from the Tommy John surgery. Of course, over his four starts, he had a good 2.66 ERA, but even in those starts that were pretty good, he did allow four home runs. And, you know, he was a pretty homer-prone pitcher even when he was succeeding before needing the Tommy John surgery. Presumably, Means is going to benefit uh, as his career allows him to pitch half of his games at a Camden Yards that now has the uh, raised height and pushed back distance of the left field fence. But is, does that mean they're going to have him pitch game two at Camden Yards so that he, as a lefty, will have the bigger outfield behind him against right-handed batters and then count on his natural lefty platoon advantage to keep down uh, Texas's lefties? Like Seager is a lefty batter, and they have a number of switch hitters in the lineup who are probably uh, then going to bat righty against me. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they decide to do it. I personally think it's kind of maybe going to be overthinking a little bit. If you have means to game two, I think based on the regular season, you know, you can count pretty good on Bradish and Rodriguez, unless you're worried they're getting tired, which I don't think we necessarily saw as, as the regular season wound down. So I think you want those guys going one, two, and I don't think you want to overthink that, but I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be interesting to me to see how the Orioles decide to do it. As of this recording, a little bit uh, late afternoon on Thursday, there have not been any announcements about Orioles starting pitchers. If one is made later on Thursday and I don't get to react to it on this episode, I'm sorry. Doing the best I can. Now, as you know, if you've been listening to this show for a long time, there was one stat that really stuck with me from the preseason, and that was the pattern with how teams that massively improve from one year to the next, as the 2021 Orioles going into 2022 were, tend to slip off their year two pace as they go into year three. Really an overwhelming trend. And the Orioles bucked that history in a big way. So maybe that's going to be the story of the 2023 Orioles too, Uh, They'll just continue that into the postseason, bucking the recent trend of, like, are they going to find ways in the postseason to come back from falling behind early or maybe even being out-homered, overcoming that if they fall behind early and if they get out-homered. They've ended up winning a lot of games where that happened over the course of this season. Of course, for as much as the Orioles were known for comebacks, they also had plenty of games where they took the lead and never gave it up. And 
you know, maybe they can find a way to winning in the postseason by doing that as well. Although the Orioles were not fortunate enough for the Rays to take the wildcard series to three games and force the Rangers to use more of their starting pitchers, I do think it is some advantage that the Orioles didn't have to play at all, and the Rangers did. Still, to get through that series, the Rangers needed to use starting pitcher Jordan Montgomery, who they acquired also before the trade deadline. Rangers used him in Game 1, and he won't be able to pitch before Game 2 of the division series, or at least I assume, because pitching in Game 1 would be on short rest for him, which he has not done all season, three days rest. And similarly, Nathan Eovaldi, who pitched wildcard Game 2, would be waiting until Game 3, unless they decide to go on short rest for him. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think probably we can hope that the matchup will be Kyle Bradish pitching for the Orioles against probably Dane Dunning for the Rangers, who had a 3.70 ERA in 35 games, mostly starts this year. I think that is an advantage the Orioles can capitalize on and go from there and hopefully have a good chance of taking the series. Apparently, Max Scherzer is not yet ruled out from pitching in the series. The Rangers are reportedly going to have him throw a bullpen session today to see whether he might be able to contribute. I guess if that goes well, maybe they will slot him in on their division series roster. He was left off of the wildcard game roster. And if he's on the division series roster, maybe he would be their game four starter. I don't know. Uh... The Orioles have beaten Max Scherzer in the postseason before, so if they have to do it in 2023, you know, uh, if they're going to win the World Series, they might have to do it. But uh, we'll see what that ha- we'll see. Um, if the Orioles do well enough, they might not even need a game four. I don't expect that to happen. Of course, another thing that you know about me, if you've been listening to this show for a while, is I really don't know how to be confident about the Orioles over the short term or the long term. It's just. It's not part of my learned experience in life. Far more often than not, they've been bad. And when they have been good or something close to good, they have not been able to go all the way. You know, in the 21st century, the Orioles won the one-game wildcard in 2012, and they won the ALDS in 2014. That's it. Those are the only playoff series that they have won since years on the Gregorian calendar started beginning with 2-0. It's not very many. And I mean, you know, again, what they're doing this year, what they've already done this year, it's it's literally unprecedented in terms of improvement over the course of three seasons, going from where they were in 2021 to winning 101 games this year. And the Orioles, as it is, without even getting into the improvement factor, winning 100 plus games is unremembered for basically anyone under the age of 50. All of this, it's uncharted territory. So, I mean, you know, the Orioles, they've been doing their own thing all year, and maybe that will keep rolling on through the ALDS. I don't know. What I can tell you is that I will be at Camden Yards for Game 1 tomorrow. It's going to be the first time that my wife and I have ever gotten to go to a playoff game together. I am excited about that, and I think it's going to be a fun experience, win or lose, just like this year has been fun overall, even when they've lost individual games And if the Orioles don't win it all this year, still when we look back in five years, in 10 years and beyond, it's going to have been a fun year. But I mean, as far as tomorrow, it's sure going to be a whole lot more fun if the Orioles are able to beat the Rangers and take a one to nothing lead in the best of five division series. 
Mailbag is empty for today. If you have any thoughts or a question for a future episode, email camdencastpod at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who has written in so far. And again, a reminder, if your question is something depressing, then we're going to put that off until after the postseason, or after the Orioles have been eliminated from the postseason, or if things go well after they've won the World Series. That's all that I've got for today. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe on your favorite platform and tell an Orioles fan you know about the podcast. For the remainder of the postseason, new episodes will be out the morning after every game the Orioles play, as much as I end up capable of doing this. So I plan to be back with you on Sunday morning, hopefully to talk about an Orioles playoff win. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.